You are listening to episode 14 of Rainbow Baby, a podcast documenting a journey of pregnancy after loss. I'm your host, Taylor Bates. In May 2018, my first child, Ellis, was stillborn at 31 weeks for unknown reasons. In the depths of unimaginable grief, my husband Hunter and I knew we wanted to try again. Since then, we've experienced new pregnancies and more loss. We're still hoping for our rainbow baby, which is a baby born subsequent to a miscarriage, stillbirth, termination for medical reasons, or the death of an infant from natural causes. I want to share my story with you because life after pregnancy loss can be so isolating. You'll also hear conversations with others who've walked this path before me. This episode is a documentation of my two-week wait after our recent second frozen embryo transfer. I talk about what the transfer was like and give a day-by-day account of my experience leading up to our pregnancy testing. As a heads up, I do talk about symptoms I had during my two-week wait and also reveal the results of our pregnancy test. I hope this episode is helpful to any of you out there who are currently in a two-week wait or will be soon. Here's the episode. Hi everyone. So it is Sunday, March 1st, and I am eight days past my five-day transfer. Um, So I wanted to kind of do a documentation or a reflection on the the last week since our transfer. Um, A lot has happened, and um, last Saturday was a really good day for us. And um, I've just been really grateful that this transfer has felt really hopeful and positive compared to our first transfer. And I think that's been the way that I've approached it. Um, the first transfer, I had a lot of hesitation about letting myself get too hopeful. And I didn't really share that much about the transfer because it was scary to, um, put it out there. And I knew if it failed that I would be perhaps like ashamed of that or embarrassed. Um, and of course just really sad, which I was. Um, but in one of my meditations leading up to this transfer, um, I listened to the mindful IVF app and it's really wonderful. I highly recommend it. Um, a lot of his meditations are free and you can pay for a few upgrades. Um, but they're very affordable compared to some other apps that I've come across. Um, and in one of the meditations, he said that there's no reason not to hope or to let yourself be hopeful because if you are really hopeful and your transfer doesn't work, you're going to be devastated. And if you're not hopeful at all or don't allow yourself to feel hope and your transfer doesn't work, you're still going to be devastated. So that really kind of set the tone for this transfer I just decided I'm going to let my hope kind of run wild and just really lean into the excitement and the possibility of this transfer. Um, and so I was doing those meditations leading up to transfer day on transfer day, and it ended up being a really great experience. I'm sure it was also because I had already done one transfer, so my nerves were a little bit more at ease because I knew what the process was going to be like. I actually had a different doctor do my transfer this time because my normal fertility doctor was not on call on that Saturday. And 
this transfer, they were just monitoring me and had to schedule it based on how my body was responding. So they couldn't schedule it around my doctor's schedule. It had to be around how, how my body was doing. So it was kind of nice actually to have a different, um, a different doctor, a different crew of, of nurses and the different embryologists. Not that the first round was bad, but it was just nice to have kind of fresh energy and it was 2-22-2020, which is obviously a, a really special numerical day. So I also just kind of had fun with that and told the staff, you know, it was it's going to be a great day. And we were the only transfer that day, which was kind of incredible. So we had the whole, um, the whole back area to ourselves where normally they might have three or four other women doing different procedures. Um, so... Yeah, I just I went into the transfer very feeling very peaceful and excited and even during the procedure itself I wasn't nervous, which I definitely was the first time. I remember like my legs were shaking in the stirrups. Um and this time the when um I saw the embryo actually, you know, the the fluid that was that it was in, I saw it go into my uterus on the ultrasound screen um the doctor and the embryologist both said beautiful and it just felt so such like positive energy in the room um and I could really feel that everyone was was rooting for us um so that was really special and um our embryo the picture that we got it was it had hatched which I think is a good sign Um, so I went home that day after transfer and took two naps. Um, I was exhausted. It's not like it was, you know, very physically challenging or anything, but, um, and I I didn't have any anesthesia. So I'm going to blame that on all the progesterone that I had already started, um, doing the progesterone and oil shots. Um, and the next day, one day past transfer, um, I started to feel some cramping um, in the afternoon. I'd also felt cramping definitely the first, the day of transfer, um, pretty much the whole day. It wasn't like painful to the point where I even needed to take over-the-counter medication, but definitely had cramping. And then also on um, the day after transfer and took another long nap that afternoon, um, like an hour and a half long nap, which... I never do. Um, and I was really hungry. So I think again, that those are, I can attribute that to the progesterone. Um, because when I was pregnant with Ellis, pretty much the whole first trimester, I was lucky to not have any nausea, but I was extremely fatigued. And I remember just taking naps constantly, sometimes multiple naps a day. Um, and I also remember being very hungry. So it's a little confusing to feel these feelings, at this point so early um, when I'm what they call pregnant until proven otherwise after transfer because I feel pregnant. So it kind of messes with your mind because it's like, well, technically I am pregnant until proven otherwise. Um, so I, again, just try, tried to kind of lean into that and and let let that kind of fuel my hope of like, okay, this is good. My body is responding to the hormones in the way that they should be. Um, so then the second day past transfer, I felt really peaceful. 
um, I, I wrote that in my journal that day and, um, that peace had just continued, which is something I'd prayed for. Just, you know, give me peace that passes understanding. Um, you know, technically I shouldn't feel peaceful in this process. Considering our history, I have so much that I could fret and worry about. Um, and miraculously I've, I felt really peaceful, um, and continued doing our, our daily morning shots. So right now I'm, I'm taking, um, Lovenox, which is a blood thinner. So I do that injection in my belly and it does burn a little bit going in, which is slightly uncomfortable, but I've already gotten used to it. Um, and initially I was noticing some really small bruises at the site where I, um, injected the needle. And, um, one day I did get a pretty, um, large bruise. And I think it's because I injected too close to a spot where I had already injected it like a day before. Um, so now I've kind of gotten the hang of that injection and it's really not, it's not bad. Um, and then Hunter does my progesterone injection, um, and kind of do that in my, it's in my backside. We sort of do it like in my love handle area. Um, so that way I notice I have less pain, um, throughout the day because I'm not earlier, we were doing the shots a little bit too low, like actually on my butt. And so when I would sit in a chair, I could really feel that soreness. And now that we're doing them higher, it's helped a lot with that, um, so going back to kind of that two days past transfer, um, I had more of the traditional pregnancy symptoms. Um, so I had sore breasts and um, was still really, really hungry. So I think I ate, I went and ate tacos for lunch with my mom and I like ate a whole thing of chips and salsa to myself and guacamole. And then took a 45-minute nap that afternoon. Um, so, yeah, again, just definitely feeling pregnant. But I know it's because I'm taking all of these pregnancy hormones. Um, but, of course, I hope that I am pregnant. Um, and I wrote down in my journal that day that I saw the word surrender twice in, in different places. And was reminded that that's what I'm supposed to do during this process. Um, that's what I need to do is just surrender, um, because I've done everything I can do to prepare for this. And at this point it's out of my hands. Um, and it feels kind of good to just accept that. Um, it's a, it's a bit of a release. Um, another thing that I wrote about in my journal that day was that I had checked Instagram and I saw, another woman who was, um, doing IVF and had had her transfer a little bit before mine, she had just shared that her frozen embryo transfer had failed and it was also her second transfer. Um, and that was so hard for me to see because, you know, I just really felt for her because I'm like just two steps behind her. Um, and of course it was kind of a reality check for me of like, that could be my story too. Um, so I, I've since encountered um, two other women who have had positives in their transfer um, cycle and 
again, they're kind of, I feel like I'm in it with them because we're around the same time. They transferred just a little before I did. Um, so it's part of me. I'm just so grateful for this online community. And I feel like there's kind of this sisterhood of like, we're all in this together. And it was beautiful to see how, um, this woman whose cycle failed, how her community really surrounded her and lifted her up. And so it just gave me, you know, that sense of hope in something greater that regardless of what happens, I'm going to be taken care of. So that evening on the second day past transfer, I I also had some cramping. um, And I know that that's a time where implantation can happen. Um, I think it's like, it can happen maybe as soon as one day past transfer. I don't know if that's super accurate, but um, so I had told myself, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get obsessive about symptom spotting, but you know, it's so tricky not to, when things are happening in your body. And, um, so that, that cramping definitely kind of made me start to think about, oh, is implantation happening? Um, and then the next day, which was three days past transfer, um, I really didn't have many symptoms, um, which is kind of interesting how it fluctuates. Um, and I wrote in my journal that I spent way too much time that evening on Google reading about if heating pads are harmful after transfer because um, I had put a heating pad on my belly for less than 10 minutes that evening because um, that was the day that I bruised pretty badly from the Lovenox, the blood thinner injections. And I realized like after, you know, seven minutes or so of having it on my belly, the heating pad, I thought, oh crap, you know, is this, is this going to like potentially harm the embryo or, or implantation? And so I started Googling and got, you know, every different answer under the sun of like a lot of people saying, no, no, you shouldn't use a heating pad anywhere after transfer or during the two week wait. Um, and then some people saying like, yeah, use a heating pad. It's great. Um, so that was, um, I kind of went down the rabbit hole and probably spent like 45 minutes reading on forums, which is something that I told myself I don't want to do because I just get in like a really anxiety ridden, dark place when I get onto the forums, whether or not I'm looking for like, you know, other women who have certain symptoms and got a positive test. Um, and so once I kind of caught myself, like, after I had spent too much time worrying about this, I just told myself, Taylor, it's probably okay. You only had a heating pad on for like seven minutes and, um, stressing is probably way worse for you. So, um, since then I've managed to not spend time like that on Google, which has been a good thing for me. So the next day, which was four days past transfer, Um, I woke up in the morning and I had a symptom that um, reminded me of being pregnant with Ellis in the first um, trimester, especially like really early on after um, kind of around the time that I'd found out I was pregnant. I would wake up in the morning and have um, loose stool, which is, um, (laughs) I don't know if that's too much information, but um, that particular symptom made me think, oh, maybe I am pregnant um, because I didn't have that the first transfer. And um, 
again, this whole process is just such a mind game because I'm taking these hormones every day that give me certain symptoms of pregnancy because they're the same hormones that you have during pregnancy. Um, so that, that morning I was, um, I had breakfast and then I was like pretty hungry again right after breakfast. And that was also how, how I felt during early pregnancy, just kind of hungry all the time. Um, I took a nap again that day and got tired around 9 PM. So again, just like a lot of fatigue. Um, and that day I wrote in my journal that, um, I saw several rainbows throughout the day. Um, just like either someone would be wearing, a woman was wearing a rainbow necklace, um, and that stood out to me. And every time I see a rainbow, it makes me feel like spirit is with me, you know, whether that's Ellis's spirit, our baby that was stillborn, or, um, the spirit of God, or just kind of that, that feeling of, of hope that I am, I'm being taken care of regardless of what happens. Um, so that's, that's what the rainbow symbolizes for me is that kind of hope. Um, so that helped me to feel like, okay, Taylor, you got this. You're not alone. Um, so the next day, five days past transfer, um, I woke up from very positive dreams, literally, you know, dreaming of a positive pregnancy test and that um, I had taken a test in my dream and it was positive. Um, and I remember this time a year ago when I got pregnant again for the, for the first time after Ellis was stillborn, um, I'd had a dream, a very vivid dream of getting a positive pregnancy test, which I ended up getting in, you know, a day or two. Um, so it's kind of interesting at the very least, I think it's a good sign that subconsciously I'm, I'm thinking positively um, as opposed to having dreams about getting a negative test. Um, I don't necessarily want to th- believe that like, you know, my dreams predict the future, um, but I just think it's a good sign that um, I, even subconsciously on that level, I'm, I'm thinking positively. Um, so that hopefully means my body and my nervous system feel at ease. Um, that day I actually felt, um, really optimistic and positive. Maybe it was because of those dreams. Um, but I had energy throughout the day. didn't feel as fatigued. Um, and I remember going to Whole Foods and getting some groceries and there was, um, a really nice man behind the counter at the bakery and, um, he had a hat on that was a rainbow hat. And again, I just felt like, Oh, it's a little sign that um, I'm I'm being taken care of, and just a reminder to have have hope. Um, and he ended up being really sweet to me. I was wearing some iridescent rainbow earrings, and he loved my earrings, and so we kind of had this little connection, and it's a nice moment. Um, so that evening, I had some slight cramping, and. Um, Again, that's a symptom where it's just kind of confusing because it's like, is this a sign of pregnancy? Um, I definitely remember having cramping during um, the two-week wait after my first transfer. That was probably my most prominent symptom was having cramping. Um, And that really made me think that I was pregnant that round. So I'm trying to not get too attached to that. 
Um, so the next day, six days past transfer, um, when I got out of bed, I noticed I had some like round ligament pain, which I recognized from being pregnant with Ellis. And um, that made me think, oh, I wonder if things are happening in there, you know, that maybe my my uterus is expanding and that's causing their own ligament pain. Um, so that was a symptom that I um, just kind of noticed that stood out to me. Um, and just kind of the same things like more fatigue, um, sore breasts, slight cramping. Um, and again, the next day, seven days past transfer, um, all the same symptoms. Um, day eight today, all the same symptoms. Um, fatigue. I took two naps, <laughs> which is not normal for me. Um, I'm normally a very energetic person who likes to cram in as many things as I can possibly do. Um, although today I did wake up with this feeling of anxiety. Um, it was kind of the first day that I really felt that, that heaviness. And um, I'd had a dream, a, a really anxiety-ridden dream where Hunter was being held at gunpoint and, you know, I was trying to call the police with my phone, like just a really scary dream. And so I woke up from that just feeling kind of unsettled um, and realized that's probably an anxiety dream. It's kind of that test anxiety, right? Like the test I know is just a couple days away. And, um, and so I started my day feeling those feelings and it just kind of carried with me and, Hunter and I decided that we were going to go to a church here in San Antonio with a couple of our friends. And as we were driving to the, to the church, I just kind of asked God, like, please, you know, speak to me through this service or, or through, through the, the message. Um, and sure enough, the preacher ended up talking about fear and he read this passage from Luke where Jesus says, friend, do not be afraid, and kind of broke down like how we can apply that to our lives and acknowledge that it's one thing to hear that and, you know, believe that we should not be afraid, but it's another thing to actually put that into action because it's really hard to not be afraid. We have so many things that, you know, we can be fearful or, or worried about. Um, and so even just the way that that, that expression starts out by saying friend, um, friend, do not be afraid. It was so comforting to think of, um, you know, like, like just a friend sitting next to me and telling me, don't be afraid, um, that regardless of what happens, I'm going to be taken care of again. That's just what I keep going back to. So I was so grateful for that reminder. Um, and it, it did really bring me some ease and kind of released my, the anxiety that I'd had that morning. Um, and that, um, message to me is a practice. So we have to practice not being afraid. It's not something that you just say once and it's done. Um, so 
that's something you have to cultivate. And I've worked really hard during, during this season of just trying to surrender, um, coming back again to that word of like surrendering and releasing my sense of control because ultimately I, I'm not in control. Um, and it is a relief to lean into that, um, that I, I don't have to hold everything on my shoulders. Um, so yeah, that was a great message that I received today. So I'm going to sign off for today and um going to try to do a little audio journal every day for the next week. Um, we will have our test in a couple of days, so I'll definitely record that experience and my reaction to it. Um, so we'll see how it goes. So it's the night before our pregnancy test, our home pregnancy test, and I'm getting ready for bed, feeling pretty peaceful, feeling tired, hoping I get a good night's rest, definitely anticipating um, the result that we get tomorrow. Um, and it'll be confirmed with a beta blood test the following day. And I just decided that, um, I wanted to test at home to have that experience of kind of like normalcy of just, um, you know, taking a pregnancy test, like, uh, you would naturally conceiving. Um, and I've had that experience before of getting a positive test with Ellis, our first baby, and that was such a special memory, and I'd love to have that again. Um, so I'm hoping that we get to see those two lines again tomorrow, um, and it's so hard to say, you know, what, what I think right now is going to be the result, because I can go either way. Like, I've I feel pregnant based on all the symptoms, but I also know that's just, you know, I'm taking a lot of pregnancy hormones. Um, but I also just, I've felt really hopeful. Um, but I'm also, you know, aware that it could be negative because that's happened before too. Um, so we'll just have to see. And uh, today was kind of the first day where I really felt that test anxiety and like felt um, a strong desire to know the answer. And I had to actually talk with Hunter this evening about whether or not I should test, go ahead and test um, tonight. And we talked about it and he was kind of like, well, just stick to the plan, do it tomorrow. And that felt good. So that's what we're going to do. So the next time you hear from me, we'll know either way. So it's the morning and I woke up at about 5.30, couldn't go back to sleep and decided to just go ahead and test and it was positive.
I think I'm kind of in shock. <laughs> um, the second line is a little bit light and it kind of made me uh, nervous just because of our history of chemical pregnancies, but I'm going to try not to dwell on that too much um, because ultimately there's two lines and it's a positive. So now I'll just have to wait till tomorrow morning for our blood beta test. It's the morning of our beta test and I resisted yesterday going to Target and buying any more at-home pregnancy tests, which I was kind of tempted to do just to like see if the line got darker yesterday afternoon or this morning but I decided I was just going to trust that one test that I took and it said that I was pregnant um so our test today is at 8 30 this morning and we should get our beta results back um a little after lunch so I'm pretty anxious to see what those results are, but um, not not too anxious in the sense that I was able to sleep really well last night and I feel good this morning. So I'm grateful for that. So two days have passed since we got our initial beta test and we got incredible news. Um, the day of our beta test, I had to wait. I think that morning my test was at 8.30 and they didn't call me back until about 2.30 in the afternoon um, with my results. And I'd been working all day, um, doing a good job of distracting myself, but um, I had a late lunch just because I kept kind of like pushing lunch back thinking, okay, they're going to call, they're going to call. Um, they had told me they would call after lunch. And so two o'clock rolls around and I'm like, I have got to eat something. So I went and had lunch with my mom. And by the time we got to our table, like I could not think about anything else except getting this call and getting these results. And I'd read somewhere that IVF clinics, um, sometimes call, with good news earlier on in the day and then with not so good news later on in the day. And um, who knows if that has any validity, but in my mind I was thinking about that and and just wondering, oh no, do are we going to get bad news? And so I get the call, we're at this restaurant, and my nurse says, how are you? And I say, well, I'm feeling pregnant. I took a test and it was positive. And she said, oh, well, I have excellent news. Um, your beta came back at 3.42, which was just incredible. Um, and you're pregnant. And when she said those words, I just, I could not contain my emotions. I started crying um, in the middle of this restaurant. And my mom moved from, we were sitting in a booth. She moved from her seat to come and sit next to me and put her arm around me. And the nurse continued to talk and say, um, say things that I don't remember because I was like just 
in emotional shock. And so I had to tell her, you know, I'm sorry, I'm crying. Um, can you repeat everything again? And she said that my progesterone number looked really good. And just to continue all my medicines as I was doing. Um, and that beta number was so reassuring for me because the last time that I had gotten um, a faint positive, which was, um, you know, probably nine months ago, I did get my blood work done and my beta was at a 50, which was obviously really low in comparison. So to have a 342 just just made me feel so reassured. And I was honestly shocked to hear her say that. Um, so yeah, it was such a, a sense of release to hear that news, to get the phone call, to get a good phone call. Um, oh my gosh, I just, I could feel it in my body. Just all the anxiety leave with those tears, right? I've heard that um, the way to get rid of anxiety from our body physically is either through sweat or tears. So, you know, if you're feeling anxious, go and exercise or try to work up, you know, a good cry. Um, but yeah, all the anxiety went away and I was able to eat and enjoy the rest of my lunch. And my mom kept telling me, okay, now you're eating for two. You got to eat your whole, eat your whole plate. Um, so that was fun. And just keep you know, trying to remind myself like my rainbow lapel pins that I recently launched say to take things day by day. And, um, that day was a really good day. So I just tried to focus on that. Um, and the next day, um, which I guess was 12 days past transfer, um, that is when Hunter and I decided we were going to announce that we were pregnant. Um, so I had logged into Facebook that morning and one of those memories popped up, like a Facebook memory where they say, two years ago, this happened on this day. And lo and behold, exactly two years before on March 5th, 2018, Hunter and I had announced that we were pregnant with Ellis and with him, we'd waited. Um, I think I was like well past 20 weeks. Um, and so that was just really interesting. One of those neat synchronicities that, um, we'd forgotten that that day was the day we'd announced Ellis's pregnancy and just really neat to be able to share this baby on the same day. And so Hunter and I found that picture and decided to recreate it, which was really fun. So we did that and shared the news and it felt really good. Um, I did start to feel a little bit of, um, I guess maybe guilt is the right word after I shared our posts because I have so many people now that I'm connected with who I know are either currently trying to conceive or who are experiencing fertility issues, have gone through pregnancy loss, and I just had all all those people in my heart, and I know how hard it can be to see someone else's pregnancy announcement, even if, you know, it's it's that, that complex, those complex feelings of you're happy for them and you're sad for yourself, um, 
And so I felt the need to acknowledge that. I was glad I did. Um, and got a lot of really good feedback um, from both of our posts. So I really appreciated that and just felt so lifted up by our community. Um, and I know that our our experience of all of this is unique. You know, our my experience of grief, my experience of pregnancy loss, my experience of doing IVF, I know that's a huge privilege and something that not a lot of people have access to, whether they, you know, don't live in a place that has even, you know, a fertility clinic or they can't afford it. Um, we, we are very privileged that, you know, we have good health insurance and it covered a lot of our tests and, um, procedures and then anything that we weren't able to pay for ourselves, our family helped us to pay for, um, which is a huge gift. And I know again, that not everyone has that. So, um, I just want to acknowledge that too, that, you know, our, our path is our path. And I know not everyone has, um, the same access that we do. And, um, I think that's not right. I think that, um, here in the U S we should have, um, more equality when it comes to fertility treatments. Um, I know in the UK and in other, you know, parts around Europe, the, the government does, um, pay for fertility treatments or at least partially. Um, and, I just don't think it should be the responsibility like it is here in the U.S. or in most states. I think I think in New York maybe they just um, passed some legislation to support the costs of fertility treatments. Um, so, anyways, all that to say, um, you know, this is this is our story, and I'm grateful that people can um, support us and be happy for us. I know that's like a huge leap for for someone who's going through their own hardships. Um, I also just want to say that um, by no means have we arrived now that we're pregnant. Um, this is just the beginning of another chapter. And I'm really hopeful that this pregnancy is going to result in a healthy baby. Um, but you know, that's not obviously not guaranteed. And so, um, I will continue to have hope, you know, regardless of outcome, like Shannon Pike talked about in her last podcast episode. And I don't want people to feel like, you know, Oh, Taylor had hope and, believed in all these rainbows and saw all these rainbows and then she had a rainbow baby and everything was great. It's like, no, this is just the beginning of a next chapter and um, there's still a lot of unknowns and we're going to have to do a lot of work to not carry fear with us into this next chapter. Um, so today is, I think, 13 days past transfer and... Um, we had our second beta, so it was two days after the initial beta test, and I went to the clinic this morning. It was so fun because all the staff knew that I am pregnant, and they were all so sweet and encouraging and giving me hugs, and um, one of the 
gals who's at the front desk said that she'd been waiting all day on Wednesday for my blood test results and was so excited to see that we were pregnant and just felt so good to have that support and like feel like these people are really on the journey with us. So grateful for that. Um, and so, yeah, we, um, <clears throat> so they took, took several, um, vials of blood today and, um, they were testing my HCG again, my progesterone and also my thyroid because I am on a, a very low dose of Synthroid. Um, cause I had a slight amount of hypothyroidism, um, when we initially started our fertility treatments. And so they just wanted to level that out. And then they were also just looking at like my iron levels and stuff. So got a call around 2 PM for my nurse. And she said, I've got excellent news and that my beta had more than doubled. It's now 824, which I just can't believe. It's amazing. Incredible. So grateful. Um, just gives me so much assurance to have, um, this kind of information and support at this point early on in the pregnancy um and all my other uh, blood work looked good and so they said they want me to just continue all my medications as I've been doing and they also scheduled our first ultrasound so that will be two weeks from now when I'm six weeks pregnant which I just it gives me chills to say that I'm excited um and also hoping that um, that can be a positive experience and not one that is shrouded by um, fears from our last ultrasounds when I was pregnant a year ago and ended up having a miscarriage, which, you know, was obviously traumatic ultrasound images of there is no heartbeat. I'm so sorry. Um, so I'm going to work really hard to just again, take it day by day, be present, not let the past define my, my present moment. Um, so thank you so much for coming with me on this journey. Um, the format of this podcast that I'm going to try to do moving forward is every other episode, I'll give an update about, um, how we're doing in the pregnancy and then the next episode will be an interview with someone um, who has their rainbow baby story. Um, so again, just thanks for coming along with us and talk to you soon. I hope this episode was meaningful for you. To connect with me, you can visit taylorashleybates.com and also find me on Instagram. Please share this podcast with anyone you know who is walking through life after pregnancy loss, whether they are trying to conceive, currently pregnant, or parenting after loss. And please subscribe and review this podcast. Your feedback helps others to find this podcast and is also so encouraging to me. Until next time, I'm Taylor Bates. Thank you so much for listening.